0: Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie Easton. This, this. is the Sunday segment. In today's episode, the deadly dangers of chemical hair straighteners, talking turtles and Elon Musk's plans for Twitter. But first, it was this day in 1952 that the first hydrogen bomb exploded at Tinawitaka Toll in the Pacific Ocean. It's been a year of extreme weather. Devastating floods in Pakistan. Pakistan calls it a climate-induced
1: humanitarian crisis of epic proportions. ...the country of Pakistan that has been ravaged by incessant rains and floods.
0: Drought and famine in Somalia. We start with one of the most severe humanitarian crises anywhere in the world right now. We have these are the faces of climate change. 22 million facing starvation and record-breaking heat in the UK and many other countries. A state of alert has been declared in Portugal as soaring temperatures cause much of Europe to swelter. Temperatures in Portugal. Now the United Nations is signalling another warning on climate change. New figures from them show concentrations of the three main greenhouse gases rose to record levels in the last year. And without urgent action, the world's on path to even more disastrous warming. Global and national climate commitments are falling pitifully short. The window to limit global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees is closing fast. This is UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres. Greenhouse gas emissions must be cut by 45% this decade.
2: Under current policies, the world is headed for 2.8 degrees of
0: global heating by the end of the century. In other words... We are headed for a global catastrophe. The UN's Emission Gap Report says richer countries aren't doing enough or even promising enough in order to cut emissions caused by burning fuels. It says the world's now on track to be almost three degrees warmer by the end of the century, which would mean catastrophic climate breakdown. The reports accuse nations of wasting a year because they failed to deliver ambitious emissions pledges that had been made at the COP26 summit in Glasgow last year. World leaders now including new UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak are set to meet next month in Egypt for the next UN climate summit COP27 and set new climate goals. The message from the UN is clear, unless we raise ambition in Egypt, the world will face even greater extremes.
1: should be very very soft and so should a hair that's why i switched to soft and beautiful cream relaxer by proline well you know most relaxers i use leave my hair dull and dry looking but with the new soft and beautiful my hair is soft straight and shiny (laughs) my hair the way i want i've got to have extra body that's why i always use the dark and lovely excel bodybuilding
0: relaxer system Chemical hair straightening products, also known as hair relaxers, have for decades been a staple in women's hair care routines. Now, a new study by the United States National Institutes of Health is linking them to uterine cancer. A group of researchers looked at the hair care habits of more than 33,000 women and found that those who used chemical hair straightening products at least four times a year were more than twice as likely to develop uterine cancer. But the burden of this risk is not shared equally. Here's the study's lead author, Alexandra White. 60% of the women who reported using straighteners or relaxers in the last year were black women. So the burden of this um, exposure really falls to the population of black women. This isn't the first study to point out the harm chemical relaxers can do to the body. A 2021 study found that black women who use them at least seven times a year for 15 or more years had a 30% increased risk of breast cancer. These products can cause chemical burns to the scalp and have also been linked to early puberty, but pressure to conform to a standard of Eurocentric beauty trends or face public rejection and limited employment opportunities have led some black women to rely on harmful hair care products like chemical relaxers to look the part. Wendy Green's a law professor at Drexel Klein School of Law who studies black hair discrimination. In her work, she's championed the Crown Act, a bill that prohibits discrimination based on hair texture and style.
1: We do see, um, you know, this, this elevation, this privileging of uh, straightened hairstyles as good hair. It harkens back to eras of racial slavery and apartheid in this country as well as around the world. You know, just because that may not be your experience doesn't mean that this experience of discrimination is not real.
0: And that experience is far too real for black people across the globe. Conversations about black hair have made headlines in recent years, especially as more black women have decided to forego chemical straightening products in what's been called a natural hair movement. But the cultural shift has come with societal and even economic consequences as black people have had to fight workplace and school discrimination over their natural hair. With a new report confirming the deadly health risks of conforming to these standards, it's time for us to look in the mirror and ask ourselves some hard questions. How much longer will black people have to sacrifice their health for societal acceptance? Still to come on the Sunday 7, 3D printing organs and talking turtles, Cowabunga. It's been more than 70 years since the first successful organ transplant, a kidney. And now, thanks to the organ donor register, hearts, lungs and livers are now among the 100,000 organs replaced every year. But even now, it remains a difficult way for patients. In a lab in Gothenburg, one team's trying to solve this problem and they're using technology that's a bit like a 3D printer. The aim is to grow organs without the need for a donor.
1: Today, we are going to look at printing skin. The skin is composed of different layers, and every layer has different types of cells in combination.
0: That was Itadale Namro one Chief Scientific Officer at CellLink, a company pioneering this technology. The skin is the human body's largest mode, but even a small skin model requires millions of cells. You really design a code, what tells the printer
1: what to print when.
0: And in which structure while 3d printed skin could be applied in surgical grafts and drug and cosmetic testing the cells have to mature first they're kept in incubators for several weeks and a mix of proteins and nutrient molecules is fed in and the waste is removed all while being closely monitored cell links also been printing cancer tumors this is so that patients can receive personalized treatments without enduring drug trials themselves They've also made liver models for drug screening campaigns and are helping beauty brands become animal cruelty free thanks to testing on lab grown skin and more complex procedures are coming down the line.
1: Many people die waiting in the line for organ transplantation so what we're hoping is that this technology in the future will actually be able to provide these organs. I think 15 20 years is when we might see it in clinic. Simpler organs can be seen very very soon but if we're talking a full organ, internal organ, that will take some time.
0: Until recently, it was thought that turtles were silent, but a researcher from the University of Zurich has found that actually that's not true. They can communicate, it's just that us humans haven't been trying hard enough to listen. So why don't we start now? Yep, that was the sound of turtles. Gabriel George Wick-Cohen, a PhD student at the University of Zurich, used microphones and video equipment to record sea turtles in captivity. His research found the turtles speak to one another to mate or hatch from the egg. Here he is speaking with the BBC. Um,
1: so actually there was a paper published before showing that there was one species of turtle that can communicate using sounds. And uh, it made me interested. So I decided to try with my own pet turtles and in the end I found some sounds there as well.
0: 52 other sea creatures previously thought to be mute were also recorded for the study. You have to
1: understand exactly if the sound is being made for communication or if it's just an accident of another behaviour so uh, that's why I had cameras filming the animals at the same time uh, they were being sound recorded. Uh, some of the species I recorded produced over 30 different types of sounds, and and I'm no. Dr. Dolito, so I have to understand the <laughs> coming together with it. It takes time.
0: We make a lot of assumptions about nature, but as a result of the study, it's not just turtles, but fish and lizards have also come up. The findings claim to rewrite some of what we know about evolution.
1: I think we can divide this study in two different parts. The first one is uh, that we found a lot of different animals that were taught to be mute, but they are actually not. Uh, And this includes mostly turtles, but also some other animals like the tuatara, which is lizard-like, but not exactly. And uh, the second part is that this uh, has a huge impact in how we understand the origins of this behavior. Uh, Now we can say they came from a common ancestor over 400 million years ago.
0: Still to come on the Sunday 7, Elon Musk's Twitter takeover and NASA celebrate Mars' meteoroid hit right after this. You're listening to The Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places. On the 26th of October, sink in hand, Elon Musk took the global center stage as he completed his Twitter takeover. The deal was worth $44 billion and had the entire cryptosphere and tech industry talking. The move's causing all kinds of ripples in the worlds of tech and social media, so we sat down with tech writer Will Guyett to get all the details. Hey Will, thanks for joining us again. So Elon Musk is now the CEO of Twitter. Did he really want to buy it or did he impulsively decide and couldn't back out?
2: Yeah, Despite his protestations that he's doing this for for saving humanity, I kind of feel that he got backed into this decision. Um, It became pretty clear that the courts in Delaware in the US were going to find against him for breach of contract if he didn't honour the deal. Um, So within 24 hours, he went from saying, Twitter were lying to him. It wasn't worth the money he was bidding, and he was going to get out of it to this suddenly being a really good idea again. So we don't know. We're not close to Elon Musk or know what goes on in his head, but it does seem to have been a 24 hour complete about turn. So I would feel that he's trying to make the best out of a bad deal.
0: I also look at this and wonder if some of the decisions that he's making, if he's taking it that seriously. One thing that's on my mind, though, is this the beginning of the end for Twitter? Or do you think he's going to take it places?
2: It's hard to know if this is the end of Twitter. But when you see the boss of a company, the self-proclaimed chief twit, essentially doing bargaining and negotiation in the same way as I would at a car boot sale with the uh, the horror writer Stephen King over how much he'd be prepared to pay for the blue tick verification. Uh, It just looked pitiful. Uh, You know, Musk saying, oh, is it worth $20 a month? Is it $16? Is it $8 a month? Like I said, it's like me buying something at a car boot sale. So, I don't know where this is going. I don't know whether this is long-term strategy for the company or whether he'll soon get bored and hand it over to somebody else that can run it for him.
0: What do you make of the new charges for verified accounts? I'm not too keen myself. What does it really do, and how is it going to change the security of online social media verification? Yeah, charging $8 a month to keep
2: people blue tick verified is the worst idea ever. Um, The idea of the blue tick was for people who were public figures, uh, journalists, people with like celebrities or notaries. They were given to people originally to stop, to make people know they were hearing from the real person, the real deal. Um, And they've kind of become a bit of a status symbol since then. And lots of people have wanted to get hold of them. But ironically, the people who've got them for the right reasons probably aren't the people prepared to pay $8 a month for them. It just seems like an unnecessary ego boost. I've got a blue tick and I definitely won't be paying $8 a month.
0: Elon's also said he wants to bring back Vine, which I'm a fan of. But TikTok's here and it's already dominating the short-form video market. So where's the strategy? Vine launched
2: in 2013. And it closed in 2017 because they couldn't work out a way of monetizing it. They weren't able to get ads on it. They didn't really know a method of making it commercially successful. So it shuttered in 2017. Um, It was 30-second short-form videos. The small audience who loved it loved it. Um, I don't necessarily think it's the right time to bring it back because TikTok does it way better. And um, I just feels to me like another smack of desperation from Elon Musk. Um, he's the world's richest man. But don't forget, he's leveraged $13 billion of debt in order to buy the company. Um, just imagine paying the interest on that if it was your mortgage.
0: Former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey has also announced what's described as a public benefit corporation trying to build a new open and decentralized form of social media. Could this be the future of social media platforms?
2: Yeah, quite possibly. Now, where this gets particularly interesting is that Jack Dorsey got $13 million of funding from Twitter to develop Blue Sky in 2019. So it's tricky to know who actually owns it at the moment. I think Jack Dorsey must own it in the fact that he's recently announced it's soon going to be going into beta testing. And I think around about 50,000 people signed up in the first day to become beta testers. The idea is this is going to be A decentralized social network your data isn't owned by a single company. In theory the platform could link into all other social media platforms so you keep hold of your data but you're able to use features and functions of other platforms. That's at least Jack Dorsey's idea. It was originally set up to become the next generation version of Twitter. Now he doesn't own Twitter and Dorsey has, you know he's, he's exited Twitter. It isn't going to be the replacement for Elon Musk's version of Twitter but it's going to be very interesting to see what goes on with this platform. The idea of users keeping hold of their data, the idea of somebody not holding and keeping control of your information, that's going to be really appealing to a lot of people.
0: NASA space probes have recorded a powerful collision. And this time... It's on the surface of Mars. This is the impact of a 200-ton meteoroid smashing into the planet. Researchers calculate that the direct hit dug out a 150-meter-wide bowl in the side of the planet, hurling debris in all directions for more than 30 kilometers. NASA says it was the biggest event of its kind actually documented as it took place, but... Most exciting of all, we saw clearly in the high-resolution images that a whole lot of water ice had been exposed by this impact. This is Ingrid Dorbert, the InSight Impact Science Lead at Brown University. This was surprising because this is the warmest spot on Mars, the closest to the equator we've ever seen water ice. NASA says this is a crucial discovery as humans prepare to visit the red planet. Here's Laurie Glaze, director of NASA's Planetary Science Division, explaining all to the BBC. This is really
1: an exciting result. Um, we know, of course, that there's water ice near the poles on Mars, uh, but in planning for future human exploration of Mars, we'd want to land the astronauts as near to the equator as possible, and having access to ice at these lower latitudes, um, that, could, that, water, that ice could be converted into water, oxygen or hydrogen. That could be really useful.
0: Scientists in the UK have confirmed that bumblebees, just like humans and dogs, like to play with balls. Touch! No, not like that. A research video shows the bees playing with little wooden balls, making them the first insects known to play with inanimate objects as a form of play. The team said its findings, published in the journal Animal Behaviour, add to growing evidence that bees' minds are much more complex than previously imagined. Researchers designed a series of experiments where bumblebees had to roll these wooden balls, and they found the insects showed their playful sight by repeatedly doing so, despite having no apparent reason. Younger bees were more interested in the balls than older ones, while adult males rolled for longer than their female counterparts. This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris.